Are you building a green business that works for you and for the planet? Season 3 of Where Ideas Launch walks you through the process of ideating, creating, developing and scaling a green idea from start to success. I leverage my experience along with the experts and micro-entrepreneurs running green business models today. Join us for this short series of 16 episodes of Positive Business Impact for Change. Hey listeners, apologies for this delay and halt in proceedings. Sometimes life just says no, and you can't have it all your own way. Things come up that cause you to take a pause, a huge step back, and as podcasts are eternal things, someone listening to this episodes away from now, years from now, will wonder why they are hearing this. The reality is what's happened in Afghanistan has been a wake-up call for me, and probably for many others. When I look at what lies before us in terms of the challenges with the climate, the challenges with food security, it gives a pretty daunting picture. It's caused me to rethink a great many things in how I run my business, and that's why I needed time to take a step back, create a break for myself, to know how to serve you better. I will record an interview with a friend of mine who worked for the Red Cross in Kabul until it fell to the Taliban. And you will be able to find that interview on my YouTube channel. But for now, I won't speak any more about that, except to say these events have made this work that I'm doing take on a much greater importance. And all of us need to do more to help others. And this podcast and my communities are the ways that I and my services can help. All right, so let's do this. This session is about development, and lesson one is you develop business ideas in order to test them, not to launch them. And this is really important. This is probably where most businesses fail. So tune in and pay attention because I think you're going to pull a lot from this session. What you're testing in the development phase is that your ideas and research correspond to a market reality and not just the perceived needs, but meet the real needs of your customers as well. I recently read an excerpt from Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, and the excerpt turned out to be a quote from another book, Good to Great, by Jim Collins. And I want to mention it before we get into the detail. The quote said, You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. So at this point, I want us to reflect on what we've done so far in building our businesses. We started with our mission, understanding what it is we wanted to create an impact in. We looked at our skills, the jobs to be done by the customer. We've done some market research and we've selected a few ideas based on our Ikigai, that intersection of all the good things we got from the idea stage, as well as things that may not have been conclusive but are at least interesting enough to take forward. Before you start testing, you need to know your who. The idea is your why, but this section is about your who. Who are you selling to specifically? What are the characteristics of people who have this problem? Or what are the conditions under which this problem is experienced? You need to use all of the work that we've done in the idea development stage in order to inform and understand better five new elements and these five new elements under development are ideal client niche prototype and test go to market strategy supply chain finance and legal for this session today i'm covering just three of these topics ideal client niche prototype and test we're going to do go to market and supply chain 
for a later session. So I've got another truth bomb for you. It will cost you far more to develop the wrong idea than it costs to start again and find a better idea. Development takes the input from your market research and aims to convert it into a mock-up of a commercial reality to determine if it's worth going forward with. So let's get going into the details of what we want to talk about today. An ideal client or an ideal client avatar is a perfect customer for a specifically imagined product or service. They are the persons whose dreams you want to fulfill or whose nightmares you want to end. Your work thrives when you are extremely specific, especially when you are getting started, and they have a specific set of problems and or set of characteristics. If you don't yet have a track record, you are relying on both ideal client and niche to help you build your credibility. So this is why you focus in at the beginning on an ideal client. And I know, I know it's very typical for us to get started and think, well, we can serve everyone. And it's attractive to say I can serve everyone because then you think you won't be missing out on opportunities to earn some revenue or capture a client. But actually it may work at the beginning, at the very beginning when you use your network. But if you actually have to develop a market of people you don't know, then the approach of finding an ideal client is the best way to do that. You can't find a market for yourself out there if you're not specific as a small player with probably not a big budget. Your ideal client can be a previous version of yourself, specific person you discovered during your research, a specific friend or a former colleague whose problems you always solve, a customer who bought from you in the past, maybe in a past life, in a past job, in a past responsibility, or a realistic recreation from a series of experiences. Consider capturing all of the information that I'm going to share with you now for your ideal client. So you want to think about demographics and demographics can take on any sort of things. It can take on age, gender, religion, uh, appearance, ability or disability, location, etc. We can want to solve problems for very specific groups of people and it's okay. If you design your marketing to address a gap or a need of, of someone who is struggling with something specific, you're going to speak to the right people, even if you're not seeing the age or the religion or the ability or disability you're speaking to, you will find a way to answer those challenges anyway in your marketing copy. Then you want to think about home reality. So your customers have a life at home and a life at work. So you want to think about both their lives at home and their lives at work and how you solve problems in those spaces for them, because they need to understand that you understand why they need that solution, why that solution is gonna make a difference for them, because then they'll know that that solution will probably work if you really understand what they're trying to do. You need to think also about psychological profile, things that, that might appeal to them or not appeal to them psychologically because of some of the other things that you've discovered about them in your research. And you also want to think about behaviors. What are their patterns? What it is that they do on a regular basis? So with these five hallmarks, you can come up with a pretty robust ideal client. So I want to share one of my ideal clients with you now so that you can give it some thought. Okay, so I'm going to read this one. Nora is in their own sustainably minded business, which they run as a side gig. They have been in their startup for less than a year and they are struggling with adequate sales growth although they're experiencing moderate sales. They have reflected on their business and they think they need to increase traffic to their store. They are thinking about investing in ads, but it's not sure about the return on investment 
and does not want to lose money cash flow, which is in short supply at this stage of the business. They have accumulated some knowledge, so is wary of sellers claiming more knowledge than they have. They would like a place to ask some questions and currently looks toward large groups and communities. They desire long term to live off their business and backs themselves to succeed. But their question is more around, should they seek help or figure it out on their own? They've been pretty resourceful so far as they've gotten this far by doing the research and doing the hard work, doing the hard graft. They want to prove themselves and their, to their family that they can do this. They've got this. Their independence is strong, but they also like the idea of a community. The problem of growth has been persistent one these last few months, and they aren't clear whether this is a seasonal thing or how much COVID has had an impact or how they return to the new normal and how it might affect their business. They believe that consistency is important, but suspects it's a bit more than that that's needed. Nora is 28 years old, lives in Manchester. They have a partner and a dog. They live in an apartment building, but they look forward to having a house soon. They believe in a minimalist lifestyle and have been vegetarian. vegetarian. They believe in a minimalist lifestyle and have been vegetarian since they were 16. They'd like to go on backpacking trips with their partner in the Scottish or Welsh mountains on holiday. They read fiction and listen to a variety of podcasts. They and their partner use bikes, scooters, public transport, but they look forward to a camper van. They have a digital marketing role for an online shop, but on the side, they work on their own digital store. They use Etsy, Facebook, Instagram shops. In their day job, they work mostly alone in a small team. They've been in this job for three years and they're looking forward to leaving it because it's a lot of work in support of someone else's dream. They are headstrong, passionate, cause-driven. They fear not being able to make the impact they want or live the lifestyle they want to live. They dream of financial independence and a minimalist and balanced lifestyle with the needs of the planet. Their worst nightmare would be to work for someone else all their life. They have a positive outlook on the future and their generation's ability to make changes. They think or spend time processing things while they walk with their pets and listening to podcasts. They spend most of their free time on developing the business. They reward themselves with something fashionable and vintage. They sometimes spend time playing games online. I created Noma from a combination of sources, from both an existing client, another existing client that I have, and also some general reading and research that I've done. What's interesting about this particular client is that they want the confidence to push forward with their plans. They don't necessarily want full solutions. They just want someone to bounce ideas off of. So they need to know that whoever they're going to bounce ideas off of know what they're talking about. So how I show up to them is very important. I wanted to give you this example because it's pretty detailed. It's pretty robust. It covers demographics, home, work, psychological factors, behaviors, and it helps me to tailor my marketing copy to what that person really needs. All right, so I wanted to give to give that as an idea. And I have another another client as well that I can share with you. Mia is slightly different from Nora. Mia is an educational professional who is ready to pivot and start a positive impact hybrid service and product-based business. They want to address needs that they have spotted in the market 
and to not be so overwhelmed by the challenge that they face in trying to find more authentic, genuine, natural solutions for their problem. They are compelled to share because the existing solutions are incomplete and ineffective. Mia has also been feeling quite jaded in the corporate life for a long time, and they want to change both for their family and their own psychological well-being. It's important to Mia that anything they do can replace or surpass their corporate income as they need to secure their family's future. It scares them not to do something about the problems that they see, but it also scares them to take this risk at their age and fail because they don't want to lose any status that they've accumulated over the past years of, of their hard work. They've become used to a certain quality in education and training and coaching and mentoring and in service delivery because of their corporate roles. They're willing to invest in the right offer that suits what they are trying to do and will pay a premium for things that are done for them because they're used to having things done for them. They have two routes to getting started. They can accept a redundancy package and start fresh or they can keep working and start a side gig. They probably are likely to go for the redundancy route. They have many options to choose from on how to get started, and they prefer to look for established and trusted brands, yet they do not offer sufficient clarity as they're not close enough to the market to get the best advice. They may be spending time in the following spaces, incubators or accelerators, regional chambers of commerce, network events for startups, sharing ideas with trusted friends and mentors, digital courses with established universities, sampling peer-to-peer -peer networks, grants for green startups, and sampling podcasts and Facebook groups. Time and cash flow and run rate will be sources of concern for her in the long run, but they're looking for a good investment to start with. At 42 years old, living in the suburb, they have doubts. Their marriage, though, does give some assurance that they can continue to sustain the family because their partner holds a nine-to-five job. They also have two kids, and managing family time, family needs, the pet, is another full-time job. They are level-headed and they think before taking a leap. Their habits are a mix of offline and online. They work early in the morning and late at night, and they use baths, glasses of wine, and sometimes walks to help clear their mind. So what I've done here, I've created two ideal client avatars, and they both have different characteristics. They both will gravitate toward different types of messaging. And so it's my responsibility to mix my messaging so that I address both of those clients because in, in my view, both of those clients can learn from each other. They, they come with different, different perspectives, different experiences and different outlook on life. And it would be interesting for these clients to interact, but they don't know that. They don't know that yet. So I need to create the environment for that to happen. So the summary of the ideal client is understand who is he, she, or they based on the demographics. What do they desire most? What do they fear most? What do they value most? And what's important to them? Where do they spend their time offline and online? So let's move into the niche. And a niche is taking this idea of the ideal client just a little bit further. So you have a lot of demographic specificities, let's say, in the ideal client, but this is only to come up really with a, a sort of content plan. But the niche of itself says where you're going to focus your marketing. So the niche kind of gives you a narrower focus while being more broad than the ideal client. So what I mean by that, the niche could be the specific problem you want to solve, 
So who's searching for that problem and where are they searching for it? The types of solutions your clients are looking for. So when you're doing your SEO, which we'll talk about in a later session, you're going to be tailoring all of that based on what they're, what they're searching for or some specific demographics, so such as location, as an example. So maybe location specific is going to be the appropriate niche for you to get started. I can use as a niche, for example, for Mia, who's the, the most recent ideal client I read for you, over 40 women working in FTSE 500 or S&P 500 businesses who are based in the UK and Ireland. Those two modifiers narrow the scope and focus of my marketing, but the, the type of content, the actual expression of my content will come from the ideal client. We're going to move now to another example of how to bring this idea to life. And I want to use Elon Musk for that. When Elon Musk started Tesla alongside his collaborators, he first introduced the Roadster, which was a luxury electric vehicle that he sold at a hefty price to very wealthy people. They were wooed by both the design, the responsibility of the brand, and the niche marketing efforts. The company then used the revenue earned to develop more economic models that he would then sell to completely new audiences. So with each successive release of his brand in Tesla, he was able to create more affordable versions, which in some interesting way kept the value high for all the models in the resale market as well. So today Tesla has more than just a cult following. People are willing to pay in advance for the release of new models, all while they are a more responsible car manufacturer than most. I'm not going to say that they're fully responsible because we still do have a challenge of resource extraction, but they are way more responsible than other producers in their category. So there are 17 separate ways that you can address the sustainability challenges we face, and his products are not affordable for the average adult, but it does cover responsible production and consumption and climate change as well. So there are lots of ways that you can express this and build on the idea as you develop. So the summary of the niche is ask yourself which niche within your ideal client's characteristics seems underserved, underloved, and in need of a specific targeted solution. What are the attributes and jobs to be done in that niche? How accessible are they for you as a marketer or as a business owner? And who's serving them today? And how can you brand them and your ideas? So the key takeaways are the riches are in the niches. <laughs> brand with your niche and your ideal client in mind and you can brand your business and your product differently, yet be conscious of the alignment of values and your driving mission. Now we head into the last session of this podcast episode, and this is prototype and test. Now you can do a desktop exercise for testing because it's useful to guide your initial design. But if you really want to design something that is effective, that creates the type of user experience that you want, because user experience has become such a high value commodity right now, you really want to live test whatever it is that you're doing. So if you're doing a product, building or, or designing a physical prototype of the new improved product is vital. Getting this product into the hands of your ideal client is crucial and allowing them to use it and observing how they use it would be a really interesting way to gain insights. For service businesses, developing a beta version that is designed to break, to break up what you're doing and test elements of it can be a way to get insight as to what people like or don't like. And for service businesses, you have a double factor. You have the product of itself, if the product answers the questions, but you also have the delivery. So the experience becomes even more important for service-based businesses uh, because there are many service-based businesses around, right? As, as entrepreneurs, as solopreneurs, 
we're competing with a lot of other solopreneurs. So we really need to think about what that service experience is going to be like and how we are going to show up as authentically as we can. So three ways to facilitate testing. You can have focus groups, you can have a test market, you can do ethnography studies, you can do a beta, and these all work together sometimes. So what to look for when you're testing is define the audience carefully, because if you have people in your test sample that aren't the people you're going to be targeting in your marketing, then you're probably not going to get the kind of feedback you need. You want to attract the audience. You want to control for the right ideal client. You want to test your copy and your understanding of the ICE in that rollout. You want to control for competition. So trying to learn to making sure that they're not just trying to learn about your product as opposed to really adding value. You need to document what you want to learn from the test. Create space as well for accidental discovery. So sometimes things just come up in people interacting with your product or with you or with your service. And you want to be ready for those. You want to be able to capture those things. So have someone probably outside of yourself observing how it's going. Get critical data on pricing and positioning and have clear metrics in mind. Then you want to examine any causal relationship. So if something goes wrong, really go into the whys and, and dig deep into the whys so that you can understand any, any causal relationships that exist. Observe sort of the indirect communication. So this is also going to be kind of psychographic study. And decide strategically on which questions in your survey need to be open-ended or closed if that's part of your tool to capture feedback at the end. So let's get into the summary. Prototype and minimum viable product is all about designing the user experience and you need a minimal minimum viable product or wireframe in order to get your product out there if it's a product-based business. You need a beta if it's a service-based business. You want to give an initial assessment of the viability of the commercial launch and that's really what you're trying to do in the test phase. So this is key in reducing your cost of learning and if it's used correctly it could be a rich source of data to fuel the eventual launch that you will do. And please, please, please expand your reach beyond your friends and family. Thank you for listening and join me again for more insight on development in two episodes from now. See you soon. This episode was brought to you today by the Eco Business Growth Club by Catherine Ann Byam and by The Space Where Ideas Launch. The Eco Business Growth Club supports positive impact SMEs with coaching, know-how and community support toward achieving the impact and reach they set out to make. You can find out more by connecting with Where Ideas Launch on Instagram or following the hashtag Where Ideas Launch across all of your social media.